So we thank God that we have been able to go through Luke as part of this Luke-Acts series. And this morning, as we are in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 59, we're finishing up on Luke chapter 12 in this topic of uh, uh, entitled Be Ready. For those of you who are joining on Facebook Live or in other forums or are watching this later, I encourage you to go to the church website. There's a whole lot of information available to you that will help you uh, in terms of supplementing what you may hear in this message. There are notes, the discussion questions, there's audio that's available, uh, and there are other uh, references in the website, church website, that can help you. So I encourage you to go there and to look at those materials. This morning, as we're in Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 35, again, we're going to start reading and understanding what the Word says. And as we read, pray that the Holy Spirit will give illumination, will illumine the Word, will bring understanding. So we're starting in verse 35, and we're reading to see that the Word says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose, masters, whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them, that's the servants, recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You, must, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. A quick aside, here, Jesus has switched his focus. In the first part, he's speaking about the master as in, in terms of how he would represent himself in his coming and us as the servants. In this section, he's speaking about his coming in a slightly different context. He's saying his coming will be like the coming of a thief in the night, unexpected. And we, as the servants, as the children of God, need to be alert and on the lookout and understand that his coming would be unexpected. So that's what he's saying in this section as he shifts topic. Because he shifts topic like that and he, and he emphasizes these two points like this, Peter says, Peter asks in verse 41, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And he's making a distinction between the disciples who presumably understand what the Lord is saying and know what he's about and all these other people who don't get it. And so he says, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager the steward, whom the, man, whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He, the master, will cut him, the, the unfaithful servant, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Let me also make one quick aside again about this phrase that Jesus says right at the beginning where he says, I have come to bring fire. As you look at different commentaries or different notes about this, and you try to understand what fire is he speaking about. It could be a fire of purification because the Bible speaks about that. You know, the, that he would come and purify and cleanse and make clean. Or it could be the fire of persecution in terms of the children of God facing persecution for their faith and their, their belief. And the Bible speaks about that, the fire of persecution. But it could also be a fire that is a fire kindled in us of passion for God, of calling out to Him, of waiting upon Him. And in the context of what he's describing here, and in the context of what we see through the rest of Luke and into Acts and so on, I suggest to you, and I would, I'm, I, I, the, the statement I would make to you is that Jesus is speaking about that fire of passion that he says, I wish it were already kindled. And when we are in that passion for Christ, when we give our lives wholeheartedly to Him, there can be a division that takes place. Because even your own family members may not understand and may not agree that you should be as passionate as you are for the Lord. And that can cause division. That's what He's speaking about. Let's continue to read in verse, uh, verse 54. He said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you're going with your adversary to the magistrate, Try hard to be reconciled on the way, or your adversary may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throws you into prison. I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Again, Jesus here is not saying that you pay for your sins. He pays for the sins. His blood cleanses us. What he is saying here is that there is a responsibility for you to be reconciled, to set things right, to make sure that you are uh, setting all the things in order because you understand the times. 
Because you see that these are the times that you're living in. You're interpreting the time rightly, the present time rightly. And that brings us to this point of asking the question, what does it mean for us to be ready? Because this passage is speaking about, and Jesus is speaking about being ready. And if you look at this, this passage as a whole, the first point that, to be, that is to be made about readiness ties in very directly to what we talked about last week. Last week, we looked at how we're called to be stewards, managers, not owners, and that we are to be stewards of what God already owns, everything, including our own bodies and everything about us and all the resources that we may have or that go through our hands, everything belongs to God. So in the context of speaking about possessions, we looked at this idea, we, we considered this notion that we have to consider ourselves as stewards, as servants of the Lord and look to him to understand what he, the owner, wants us to do with the possessions that have been entrusted into our care. So readiness for what the Lord calls us to in this earth and most importantly, for entering into eternity with him is based on a commitment to faithful stewardship. In this passage that we're reading here, we're reading about the fact that stewards, servants of the Lord, who are already managing his resources wisely, will also need to be prepared for his coming. They are servants who are doing what the master told them to do, and they are prepared, they are ready, they are looking for the return of the master. So that's what we need to pay attention to. Readiness, in our context, being ready, preparedness for what the Lord calls us to in this earth, and most importantly for entering into eternity with him, is based on that commitment to faithful stewardship. We have to understand that concept of being a good steward and then be faithful in it, and that's where the Lord guides and directs our steps. But you notice that right at the beginning of this passage that we read, he speaks about the fact that we have to be dressed and keeping the lamps burning. Readiness requires taking care of the practical needs. If you are to be ready for the coming of the Lord, and we know from the story of the foolish and the wise virgins who were awaiting the groom, that the foolish virgins did not keep their lamps burning. They did not hold enough oil. They were not ready. They didn't take care of the practical things that they needed to in order to be ready. So for us, there is a need for us to address all the practical needs in our life. It may be in our lives individually. It may be in our families and households. It may be in the church. It's making sure that the bills are paid, the mortgage is paid, the utilities are taken care of, that the grass is mowed. There's a whole bunch of things of that nature that we do as a regular part of our lives. But there's also responsibility to take care of the practical needs for ourselves individually and our families, our homes, our, 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 our households, our spouses, our children, uh, the extended family members. Take whatever step is necessary for your specific context, for your specific set of circumstances to be ready, to dress, to keep the lamp burning. In the Passion Translation, 
that that phrase is translated, be prepared for action at a moment's notice. Be prepared for action at a moment's notice. If you read about soldiers or see any movie, documentary, whatever it may be, about soldiers in a combat zone, if they're in an active combat zone, they're in, you know, there's a risk of being attacked and so on, and there is a, uh, they have to rest, they're trying to sleep. They, you will find that soldiers in a combat zone sleep with their boots on and their weapons loaded and ready. Because at a moment's notice, if something happens, they've got to respond. They can't, after the prompt, after the event, after some alert, then get ready. They have to be ready. So this is the same kind of thing that the Lord is speaking to us, that we would address our walk with the Lord, our marriage, our parenting, our labor, our interactions, every area of life. And we would say, how are we addressing those areas so that we are ready? Now, readiness also means that when the master comes, we are held accountable for our actions, regardless of whether we acted willfully or whether we acted in ignorance. That's the, that's the two types of servants that are mentioned here. The servants who were, uh, uh, who were aware of what the master wanted and were still not doing it, and the servants who were not aware and in, because of their ignorance didn't do something. Both are held accountable. They're, in fact, the verses here speak about being beaten with many blows or fewer blows. And I want to emphasize, even as we speak about accountability, that the justice, the grace, the mercy, and the love of God all apply even in the midst of God holding his people accountable, God holding all people accountable. The Bible is clear that when we come before him, we have no excuse. He says, look, this is what I have spoken to you. This is the opportunity I gave you. This is the life that I laid out for you and the sacrifice that I've made. And then he, he holds us accountable for how we have responded to that and what we've done, whether we rejected him or not, and so on. So there is an accountability that comes. But I want to encourage you. I want to, to remind you that the justice, the grace, the mercy, and the love of God all come in at the same time. God is entirely just. God is completely gracious. God pours out his mercy and his loving kindness to us new every morning. And he shows unconditional love to us, love that covers over a multitude of sins. So that we don't come to God in condemnation. We say, oh, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. No, we say, Lord, help me. This is, the, this is the area that I need to be faithful in. This is the area I need to be accountable in. I realize that I haven't paid attention to this. I haven't made these, I haven't gotten ready in these particular ways. Help me, help me. And we come to the Lord and ask him for help in that way. And then, as we read through this chapter, or this passage rather, you realize that Jesus is speaking about readiness about his coming, his second coming. He has come to the earth. He lived and moved in our midst as a man. He died as a man and in, in, in terms of going through a physical death. But then he rose again and he lives triumphant for us and continues to be 
interacting, to being relating to us, and he in us and us in him. All of that is there. But he, the Bible is very clear that he will return. And when he returns, he returns in a very different way. He returns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He comes to reunite us, to be with him for eternity. And he's coming as the, the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah who will bring that salvation to all his people and puts in place a new heaven and a new earth and restores all things in the way that they were meant to be in that right relationship with God. So when we look at all of this and we say, oh, so I have to be ready. I have to get ready or I have to be ready. We may tend to focus on, okay, so when is he coming? When should I be ready? I'll do what I want now, but if I know he's coming next week, then I'll get ready a couple of days before. You know, this is what we do with all of our responsibilities. I have an exam coming up on Tuesday. Joel has an exam on Monday. Others have papers and assignments. We have things that we have to do at work. And we say, when is it due? When is it due? And then, okay, I'll, I'll figure out, I'll work backwards, I'll do something, I'll take care of it just before it's due. Right now, I want to do something else. The Bible doesn't tell us when Jesus will return because God knows that we will do this. We will say to him, oh, you're coming back next Wednesday at 10 in the morning? Okay, good, great. I'll get everything in order and be ready by 9 a.m. But the Bible is saying, I want you to be ready all the time. I want you to pay attention to the things of God all the time. I want you to live like this. I want you to be, not do, which means you're existing in a specific state of relationship with the Lord without trying to make something happen only when it needs to happen in some urgent way. So, Readiness for us has to be determined based on our present. I want to read to you something that Oswald Chambers wrote in his very popular devotional, daily devotional, called My Utmost for His Highest. So in this book, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers writes this. He says, readiness means a right relationship to God and a knowledge of where we are at present. We are so busy telling God where we would like to go. The man or woman who is ready for God and his work is the one who carries off the prize when the summons comes. We wait with the idea of some great opportunity, something sensational. And when it comes, we're quick to cry, here am I, Lord, send me, here am I. Whenever Jesus Christ is in the ascendant, we are there. But we are not ready for an obscure duty. Readiness for God means that we are ready to do the tiniest little thing or the great big thing. It makes no difference. We have no choice in what we want to do. Whatever God's program may be, we are there, ready. When any duty presents itself, we hear God's voice as our Lord heard his Father's voice and we are ready for it with all the alertness of our love for him. Jesus Christ expects to do with us as his Father did with him. He can put us where he likes, in pleasant duties or in mean duties because the union is that of the Father and himself that they may be one even as we are one. 
Be ready for the sudden surprise visits of God. A ready person never needs to get ready. So if you think about that, what Oswald Chambers is pointing out is that readiness is not about how we determine the future. Readiness is not saying, oh, I know the exact time. It's on this date at this moment. Okay, now I'll be ready. No, readiness is not about determining the future, but rather about how we live in the present. If we are ever ready, if we are always ready, then we don't have to worry about or figure out the future. You don't have to figure out which date, what sign, what is this, what is that. You don't have to worry about it. You simply are ready. The best truth from this passage that we even read, the best truth we have about the future is this. Not that we would know when Jesus returns, but what he does when he returns. Because it says here in Luke chapter 12, verse 37 to 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he, that's Jesus, will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. Wow. What an image. What a statement. That when Jesus comes, he's not coming to say, all right, now you go to there. No, he says, I'm coming to serve you. And this is what Jesus previewed in that Last Supper, right before he went to the cross. He didn't have to do this, but he washed the feet of his disciples. And he said, you know, this is, I'm doing this for you to show you and to demonstrate for you how you must live. But he's also previewing what the word says he will do for us when he returns. That he actually serves us. That we would say, oh God, thank you. Thank you. We recline at table with him and he waits on us. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how exactly that'll play out. But I thank God for the statement that he's making here. So my responsibility, our responsibility, is not to say, Lord, when are you coming? But rather, Lord, help me to be ready. Help me to be faithful. Help me to be diligent. So that whenever you return, you will find me ready, prepared. And you will join me to you that you will be pleased in me. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus comes, the statement that we want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. So this morning, we want to respond to the Lord. We want to say, Lord, we want to come to you and to speak to you and to have you be in our lives and in, our, in everything that we do. And so this morning, we respond to the Lord by saying, Lord, we commit to being faithful stewards who are ready for the Master's return. Last week, we were saying, we want to respond by saying, 
by, by making the statement to the Lord, Lord, we commit to being faithful stewards of all that you have entrusted into our care as you are the owner. And this week, we want to say, Lord, we commit to being faithful stewards who are ready for the Master's return. We're looking for you. We're ready. We're prepared. There's nothing that we have to do differently in our lives if we knew that you're coming tomorrow, tomorrow today, in an hour's time. We wouldn't have to scramble to change something. We would be ready. So we respond to the Lord in these ways. And then we want to apply. We want to say, Lord, how does this now take shape in my life? What do I need to do? How do I pay attention to your word and to your will in my life in this week, in this day, in the rest of my life? And so I want to bring you back to that phrase that's at the beginning of this passage that we read. That is, we apply by getting dressed and lighting the lamps. We are paying attention to the practical things that we need to. And like I said, it's going to look different in each person's life. In each household, in each family, it'll look a little different. But you've got to wait and ask the Lord. You gotta, these are the days. Press in, ask Him, talk to Him. He listened to him and said, Lord, what is it that I need to do? How do I need to get dressed? The Bible speaks about putting on the attributes of Christ, putting on the things of the Spirit. So ask the Lord, what do I need to put on? How do I need to get dressed? Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've never really given your life to Him. And that first step that you need to take is to even Put on that robe of righteousness that the Lord is giving you. To put on His salvation. To put on that blood of Jesus that would cover you and protect you so that death would pass over. So that you will be preserved. Maybe you need to turn your life to God and give Him your heart. Maybe before you can get to being a steward, you just need to know Him as your Lord. You need to first submit and say, Lord, you need to be the master of my life. For so long, I have been the master of my own life. Or for so long, the world has been the master of my life. People around me, I've been trying to please others. I've been going after all these riches. And as we talked about, Lord, possessions have gotten a hold of me. And I have pursued these things to my own detriment. But Lord, you be the master. You be the Lord. I submit and yield my life to you. When we do that, when we start to get dressed in that way, when we're clothed with the robes of righteousness, when we are clothed with those garments of praise, when we are covered over by, those, by the blood of Jesus and therefore cleansed and made white and clean and so on, then we are also able to light the lamps. We're able to say, oh Lord God, you give me your Holy Spirit. That oil, that water, that fire, that presence of the Holy Spirit that allows my lamp to be lit, that allows my light to shine, that allows people around the world to see you and to know you and to experience you because they see you in me. I will get dressed and I will light the lamp. And then, Lord, I will do what you ask me to do. I'll obey your commands. So this month, as we have talked about it, we're saying we want to be filled with the Spirit. We're focusing on that. It is really a directive, a command of the Lord when he says, do not be drunk with wine, 
since that leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. That's the command of the Lord. That's his directive. And in that whole passage, as we looked at it even yesterday during our fasting and prayer time, that whole passage, it really is about wise living. It is about knowing the will of God. It is about being able to, to share with others and, and serve others because you are filled with the Spirit. So this month we've been emphasizing this. We've been, we are emphasizing this particular truth that we want to be filled with the Spirit. What is a way in which we can be ready? When, what is a way in which we can get dressed and light the lamps? Be filled with the Spirit. Again, through these weeks, through these, this, this period of time, we want to know what does it mean to be filled? Why should we be filled? Without you know, spending undue time or attention on how to be filled, we'll address that. But I want to encourage you that in a practical way, in a very real, tangible way, ask questions, engage, Grapple, do the things that are necessary, but be ready so that you don't have to get ready. Be ready so that you don't have to get ready. The Bible is giving us such wonderful instruction, such wonderful encouragement, such a meaningful word that comes to us this morning to say, oh, as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have such a hope. We have such an eager expectation. He's given us responsibilities and tasks on this earth to complete. He's given us His Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to do those tasks. But we have such a joy. We are filled with that joy of the Lord and we are filled with thanksgiving, which in itself is an attribute of the filling of the Spirit that we can say, Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Come. Maranatha. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We anticipate your coming. We don't have to change anything about our lives. We don't have to scramble. We are ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this morning we can turn our attention to you and we can glorify your name for how you speak to us and what you do, Lord, to, to give us of yourself. Father, I thank you that because you have done that, you have asked us now to be ready. Lord, to be ready for when you would come. Not to worry about when that is, but to be ready for whenever it is. Thank you, Lord, that you've told us sufficient information. You've provided sufficient information for us to know what to do. You've given us all that we need for life and godliness. You've told us, Lord, your truths and how we should apply those truths. There's no excuse for us. So, Lord, without any guilt, any condemnation, any shame, any kind of blame shifting or anything else, Lord, we come to you and we say, Lord, help us. Grant us grace. Give us of yourself. Come and be with us so that we will be ready for when you return. We will be ready to tell others about Jesus. We will be ready in season and out of season, prepared with an apt word on our tongues, prepared with your Holy Spirit overflowing out of us, prepared with a heart that is experiencing the love of God and is shed abroad, is, is, is sharing that love with others. Oh, that we would be ready. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your will. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. We commit ourselves to be faithful stewards who are ready 
for the master's return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.